Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey, um... Anybody else here besides me afraid of the dark? Nobody? Oh, there's a few. Okay, good, good, good. You should be. I remember at 5.30 in the morning, one morning, uh, this was the time that I was supposed to be at a men's discipleship class that was led by me. And uh, the phone rang, and it was 5.30. <laughs> and I knew what the phone was, what, I knew what the call was, because we had this agreement between us guys that were in the group that if it was 5.30 and the guy wasn't there, you were going to get a phone call. And that wasn't going to be good because it was going to wake your wife up too. Well, um, I think it woke my wife up too, but I bolted out of bed. I mean, literally jumped out of bed and ran for the door, you know, thinking, man, I'm going to get out of this place fast. And I ran straight into the wall, smashed my face into the into this wall Got a bloody nose and a big, big scrape on my nose that proves that I did it. And, um, you know, then, then I drugged myself to the, the meeting. Now, you know, I won't tell you, but my wife did laugh a little bit, you know. It's just, it's like, huh? Well, we had actually moved and, and it, we, we had only been there like a week. And so I was totally disoriented. So just a little disclaimer there. But all that to say, darkness is bad. Right? I mean, maybe I wouldn't have, have run into the wall if the light had been on, right? But darkness uh, really freaks a lot of people out. And I am not a fan of the dark. Very few people really, if they admitted it, are, don't like the dark, dark. Um, in John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. Amen, Right? God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So darkness is not a good thing. Not a good thing. And so God himself is light. Now, that's not just a description of him, although some have said, you know, that in essence God is light, and you can't even look at him because he's so bright, he is light. Now, what's really interesting is it's not just a description of maybe how God would look, of course, looking into the bright light, I don't know if you'd even see, be able to see, right? But this is more a description of his character. When God is light, when you think of light, you think of purity. Matter of fact, many religions of the world compare good with light and evil with darkness. It's just the way it is. Um, in Scripture, sin, disobedience, immorality, evil are all characterized with the word darkness. And so there is this sense that light is purity, light is goodness, light is all that is good and pure and holy, while darkness is revealing the disobedience, the evil things in the world, things like that. So in essence, God is is purity, he's holiness, he is perfection. Now the second thing that this reveals is that God is true. What's interesting, they say that there's something about the light in an interrogation room when uh, the police would, would 
you know, have somebody in there, these old film noir things, and the guy's under the light, and he's like, okay, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I have to talk to a policeman about that. Uh, but sometimes the light is a revealer. What's really interesting, too, is that the police will also tell you that, that most bad things happen in the dark. Take a night shift. It's much worse than the day shift for a policeman. Bad things happen under the cover of darkness. You've probably heard that phrase before, too, right? Well, the problem is here um, is, you know, if God is truth, one of the problems that we have as humans, and this started a long, long, long time ago, is that we have a tendency to be liars. Now, uh, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just calling myself a liar, all right? And if you've ever told a lie, anybody else here ever told a lie? Most hands are up. The other ones are liars. Okay. Uh, we've all told a lie. We've all had a little white lie. We, we, you know, we fudged the truth a little bit. We've got all kinds of ways of explaining it. The truth is we just lie. Okay. And, and that is a problem. That's a problem. Matter of fact, in 1 John 1, verse 6, and then chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, If we claim to have fellowship with him, that's God, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We lie. And do not live by the truth. The man who says, I know him, saying I have this relationship with God, but does not do what he says or does not do what he commands, is a liar. Now, we have to understand the nuance of this verse here. When it says walk, that term walk is perpetual walking. It's something that happens regularly. It's not like an oops, I made a mistake. This is something that I do regularly. If you have this pattern in your life of continued unrepentant sin, and on the other hand you say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you're a liar. Because... A person who follows Jesus would actually follow Jesus, right? Now, this is not to say that we won't lie occasionally, that we won't slip into sin, but it's not our target, right? I mean, sin is, I'm trying to do the right thing and I miss the target. But this is saying, no, this person's not even, not even trying. They're just habitually, continually walking in sin. And if a person is acting like that, and saying at the same time that they're a Christian, it's not the truth is what the Bible is saying. So here we have, a, have the, the problem. Jesus himself uh, uh, talks about himself this way. He says, you know, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk. And there's that perpetual walking will never perpetually remain walking in darkness. There is an expectation that when you turn your life over to God and you become a follower of Jesus, that you keep on walking with Jesus. That you're going to walk in the light of his truth. That you're going to want to live like he lives. Matter of fact, in, in, in this describing disciples of Jesus and disciples of any rabbi of the day, they would say that the, the disciples would walk so closely to their master, to the rabbi, that they would be covered with dust from the, the dust that the, the, that the master would kick up from walking. Okay? You're just covered with Jesus dust. Right? Because you're so close to Jesus. You're walking the same path that he's walking. 
So that is what we're supposed to be perpetually doing. Now, all that said, once in a while we get off track, right? I don't know about you, but once in a while I fail. Even though I'm trying to do the right thing, I find myself doing the wrong thing. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is one of the the big problems in life, is that people, in general, have a problem with covering up sin. Not wanting to admit that what we did was wrong. Right? I mean, it started with Adam and Eve. What do they do? They sinned. What do they do? They hide. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why we hide our sin. We don't want people to think less of us. Uh, we're embarrassed that we made that stupid mistake, or with, that we did that thing, and we don't want to get labeled, right? And so sometimes we, we try to gloss it over. Or worse yet, we try to, to blame somebody else or something else. Well, the sun was in my eyes. My favorite target for blame was my older brother. Well, Daryl made me do it, right? Unfortunately, I went to college and I took a psychology class and the psychology prof said, no one can make you do anything. I didn't like that guy very much, okay? But the truth is, we we do like to kind of pass the buck and pass that off and say, well, what really wasn't my fault. But the truth is, we have to get to the point to where we, we say we are wrong. Right now, first John one, six and eight says this. Uh, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, that perpetual darkness, we lie and don't live by the truth. We claim to be without sin. Some people do that. Say, well, you know, I, I've never done anything wrong since I've accepted Jesus. You know, it's like, really, really? I don't think so. So sometimes we fall prey to doing what is wrong, and sometimes it is our fault. But we have to find a place uh, where we don't convince ourselves that everything's fine in relationship with God when it really isn't. First John 1 John 1.8 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You see, one of the biggest problems is self Deception. When we get to that point to where we don't, we don't even want to admit that we're dabbling in things that are not good for us or that we did something that was wrong. We said something out of line. We treated someone badly. We made a mistake. Okay? We said something and, oh, later we regret it. But what do we do with this? What do we do with, how do, how do we deal with those issues, right? A.W. Tozer said this, of all forms of deception, self-deception is the most deadly. And of all deceived persons, the self-deceived are the least likely to discover the fraud. If you're self-deceived, you're deceived. You don't get it. You don't know what, even what's going on, right? So how do I know that I'm self-deceived when I don't, I'm self-deceived? It's kind of a quandary you're in, right? How are you going to figure this thing out? Well, 1 John 1.10 says this, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, out to be a liar, and his word has no place in us. Now, what's really interesting, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be the one that points my little fat finger at God and saying, you know, I, I, you're a liar. 
I don't think I'd want to be calling God a liar any time, right? So, to not find yourself in that situation, we've got to find another path, another avenue to deal with this issue. So, let's not say that we haven't sinned. We have to actually do what the Bible says we need to do with sin. Now, John is a is the, the disciple of love. He's a loving guy. He's a kind guy. He wants to help us all out here. And so he has penned a verse that you probably have all, if not memorized, at least you recognize it. 1 John 1, 9. That sound familiar? Right? Here it is. If we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, what does that really say? If we confess. Now, the word confess in the Greek is homo legeho. It basically means to say the same thing as. As who? Well, in confession, I'm going to say the same thing about my sin that God says about it. Make sense? So I'm confessing. I'm going to say the same thing about sin that God said. What does God say about sin? It is wrong. Okay? So what I have to do is I have to say, what I did was wrong. Now that's a hard word to say, wrong. I was wrong, right? Anybody ever watch Happy Days and remember Fonzarelli, right? Okay, the Fonz, the cool guy. He could never quite bring himself to say, I was... He couldn't quite get it out, you know? Because he couldn't admit that he was wrong. Now, we know why we don't want to say that, because it doesn't feel good to say you're wrong, right? Now, you may have done it intentionally, you may not have, but the, the fact is... Sin is sin. And sin is wrong. In God's eyes, sin cannot be tolerated. So much so that Jesus had to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. So part of confession is to coming to the point where you say either to God, God, help reveal to me what I don't even know is wrong and help me to recognize it as wrong. Okay, Sometimes it's blatantly out there. I mean, you really messed up bad and you know you did, right? You were really mean to somebody. You were cruel even. You were judgmental. You were unkind. You were greedy. You were selfish. Whatever it is that you did wrong, you know that it's wrong. But there are other things that maybe you don't even realize that they're wrong and you need the Spirit to enlighten you. Put the light on me, God. Help me to see maybe some things, where areas where I am wrong and I don't even realize I'm wrong, Okay. So that's step one in confession. doesn't stop there. If you stop there, all you feel is guilt. Right? But I'm going to confess. I'm going to say the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. And that is, your sin is forgiven. It's forgiven. Right? Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to be judgmental. I came to save the world. So Jesus' message to us is when we confess, let's not just embrace the truth of what we did is wrong. Let's embrace the truth and say the same thing about our sin that God says about it. And that is you are forgiven. 
This is why Paul in the New Testament can say something as audacious as this. So do I go out and sin more so grace can abound more? Do you hear that? For Paul, when he was made aware of his sin, it was a springboard into grace. It reminded him so much of grace. He says, maybe I'll go out and sin some more so I can be more reminded of my grace that I'm covered with. It it sounds ludicrous, but it's true. That the very fact that the Holy Spirit can remind us, oh, you made a mistake there, you sinned, you did something that was wrong. If you admit that, you're made aware of it, then you're immediately thrown into the scenario where you realize, thank you, God, that that sin that I have committed, that wrong that I have done is completely and utterly covered and forgiven. You know, some people don't like to forgive. Do you know that that the Bible says that if you don't forgive like Jesus forgives, that God won't forgive you? That's a heavy statement. What God is saying is he expects his people to act the way he acts. When you are forgiven, he forgets doesn't mean that he literally forgets. It means that he chooses to forget. He chooses to forget. There's one, one verse in the Old Testament that says, he, he takes your sin and he throws it into the depths of the deepest ocean and puts up a sign that says, no fishing. And it says, including me. Right? It's not that he can't remember your sin. He chooses not to. And we need to choose not to remember our own sin and not remember others' sin. One of the one of the one of the worst things that, that we as Christians have a tendency to do is be judgmental of other people when they make a mistake. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm projecting now for myself, I think I'm gonna make a few more mistakes before I die. I'm gonna make a few more bad choices, a few bad decisions. And I hope, 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 I believe that God will forgive me. I'm going to say the same thing about that sin when it comes up, that it's wrong, but it's also forgiven. And I hope that the community of faith can come alongside me and say, I love you. Yes, thank you for recognizing that maybe what you did was wrong. But I'm here to stand as God's representative to you and tell you you are forgiven. Now, some of you, unfortunately, have experienced the judgmentalism of other people. Do you know that that the, the unbelieving world, people who are not followers of Jesus, there have been tons of surveys taken. You know what they believe about Christians? Number one, and first and foremost, they think that we are judgmental. And you know who we're most judgmental of? Ourselves. Our brothers and sisters. When we make a mistake... We jump to the conclusion that they must have intentionally done that and we need to punish them for it. When in reality, what we must do is take a position of humility and say, except for the grace of God, it would be me. And so I lean in to them and I say, as much as maybe what you did hurt me or hurt my family, thank you for being confessional. And I'm here to represent God's forgiveness to you. It's hard. It's one of the hardest things you will ever do is to forgive someone 
who you may not think deserved your forgiveness. And you know how Jesus forgave you? He forgave you before and while you were still sinning. So don't wait for someone's even confession. You, as a Christian, are bound by God's grace to you to be forgiving before someone even confesses. You be ready to jump out there and forgive. Okay? That's how you want other people to see God. And so we need to forgive. And that includes forgiving yourself. You know that thing that you did that you still are struggling to forgive yourself for? I want to stand here today and tell you that that some of the most defining moments of your life will be when someone who represents God's family can look you in the eyes and say, I forgive you. And God forgives you. It's true. Because I've had people do that for me. And if they hadn't, I would have crawled into a hole and never gone back to church, for sure. But because they had grace and mercy and compassion that they showed to me, I can show it to others. See, that's what Christianity is. At its very heart, at its soul, that is what Christianity is about. Man goes off the rails and God says, I still love you. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. Confession has another step. We agree with God that what we did is wrong. We agree with God that it's forgiven, but we also agree, and this is huge. This is off the charts. You can, with God's help, not sin again. Do you realize that? You see, that's why we, we treat each other with kindness and grace and mercy, compassion, forgiveness, love is because we are there to help one another achieve what God wants us to achieve, and that is stop walking in the darkness and start walking in the light. Start walking in the light. And we do that with one another's help, the help of the Spirit and the help of each other. See, that's the power of confession, when we finally get the courage to speak the truth about ourselves and confess our sins to one another. Doesn't the Bible say that? Confess your sins to one another. It's not so you will feel like a worm on the ground and you feel terrible about yourself and so people can walk over you. That's not the point. We confess our sins to each other so that we can overcome sin. We have a group of people that meet over here in one of our buildings almost daily. Alcoholics Anonymous. You know what they do? They, they, they recognize, they say the truth about themselves. I'm an alcoholic. I have a problem. And I can't do it without the help of a higher power and someone else that comes alongside to help me. When I feel weak, I'm making a phone call. And that's how we need to operate as a church. That's how we operate as Christians. We all lean into sin at some level. We all have a weak spot. And we need to tell that to somebody else who's not going to judge us, but's going to come alongside of us and show us love and be our strength when we're weak. And so we need to confess. We need to say the same thing that God says about sin. It's wrong. It's forgiven. But it is able to be overcome with the help of God's spirit and the help of God's people. That's true confession. That's saying the same thing about sin that God says about it. 
So, First John 2, uh, verse 1 says this, If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is right there. He's the first one who says, hey, God, got it covered. I got them covered. God doesn't see your sin because God has you covered. 1 John 2, 1 says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now, God never asks you to do anything that you that he's not going to give you the power to do, right? I mean, why would God ask you to do something that you can't do without his help? God can do anything, and if he asks you to do something, he's going to give you the power to do it. And that power is in his spirit, and it is the in enlivening his word in your life, sometimes through the help and the power of other believers coming alongside. So, it leads us to then walking in the light. First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light. Now, that's that habitual walking. If we continue to, to confess ourselves, our sins and we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That is a reference to the fact that you're going to do this life together. You're all going to fail. You're all going to, going to need at some time in, in the future to lift somebody up and someone's going to need to lift you up. That's fellowship. That's true fellowship. It's not just donuts, people. Although I like donuts a lot. But it's not just donuts. It's helping one another stay on the path that is lit by the Word of God. Right? It goes on. It says, We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. But if anyone obeys His Word, God's love is truly made complete in Him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, we need to understand that a mark of spiritual maturity, not the goal of spiritual maturity, the mark of spiritual maturity is the decreasing tendency of sin in our lives. That's not the point of being Christian. It's the result of being Christian. There should be a decreasing pattern of sin in our lives because we're walking more and more and more into our lives, right? Now, some people, they, they, they live in habitual sin and they pretend like it doesn't matter because it's forgiven. But that's not confession, right? It's not just confessing, hey, my sin is forgiven forever. No, confession is saying the same thing about sin that God says about it. It is wrong, it is forgiven, but it is to be overcome, Right. And there's a reference here that the way that we overcome it is by walking in the light and the light is the word of God. So what we have here is we have a big flashlight. All right. I don't know if anybody, anybody else besides me has a flashlight. I got one now by my bed. OK, just in case I get a call at 530 in the morning. But. When I, when I used to go backpacking and we'd go, go camping as a family a lot, you know, we'd have either a flashlight or we'd have one of those lanterns. And I remember, you know, it's time to go potty because we, didn't, we, had, we were tenting, you know. So the kids got to get up. They got to go, right? So what do you do? You grab the flashlight, right? Because it's not always bright stars out in the camping world, right? You flash the light. Now, when I would, when I would lead them, they would stay pretty close to me, right? Because Why? I had the light, right? 
So that's why we do. That's why we study the Bible. That's, that's why I'm preaching this sermon is, is we want to look at the word of God in such a way that we're going to not just look at it. We're going to obey it. Right. And so we talk about practical ways in which we can can apply the Bible to our life and walk in the light. Now, um, anybody else beside me love uh, uh, Charlie Brown? I kind of resonate with Charlie Brown, you know. But one of my favorite things about Charlie Brown is every season, every football season, there's the same comic that runs, right? You remember that what it is? Okay. Is that, you know, Lucy gets the football and she puts it down and she says, kick the football, Charlie Brown. And he goes, no, you're just going to, you're going to pull it away again, right? And so what happens is, you know, he runs and he tries to kick it. And what happens? Oh, he lands flat on his back and stuff. And then the next time Lucy says, oh, you know, Charlie Brown, um, you know, come kick the, kick the football again. And here, here's Charlie Brown's response. Charlie Brown says, every time I try to kick the ball, Lucy, you remove it and I fall on my back. And so finally Lucy breaks down. She breaks down. She's almost in tears. And she says, she makes this admission. She says, Charlie Brown, I have been so terrible to you over the years. Picking up the football like I have. I've played so many cruel tricks on you. But I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when, when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, Charlie Brown, so wrong. Won't you give a penitent girl another chance? Right? And of course, through her pleading, Charlie Brown, because he's so soft-hearted, he says, of course, I'll, I'll give you another chance, Lucy. So Lucy puts the football down, and what happens? Same thing, right? Right when he gets to it, she pulls it away, and then Lucy says this, to Charlie Brown, she says, Well, Charlie, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. See, we can, we can know that what we did is wrong. We can ask God's enlightenment. We can say, Oh yeah, what I did was wrong. And we can accept freely God's forgiveness, but not change. The third and final step is the hardest. Because confessing involves maybe getting some other people involved. Maybe you need to confess to the person that you've wronged. Or maybe you just need to say, I've got this area that that I just need to work on and I need help with. Believe in your soul that what you did was wrong, but what you did has been forgiven. And you can, with God's help and the help of his people, overcome that sin and live into the light. All right? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you love us, uh, that you have given us the uh, the freedom that comes from forgiveness. We, we pray that you would help us um, treat ourselves the way that you treat us. Uh, enlighten us. Help us to see where maybe some of the things that we're doing are wrong. Um, help us admit the things that are wrong and live into the forgiveness that you give. Help us not be judgmental to others that have done things that are wrong. Help us to to be kind and compassionate. Treat others the way you uh, that we would want to be treated by by them. Um, God, thank you that you treat us with kindness, compassion, love, mercy, and forgiveness. Help us live into a life that is solidly in your word, the light of your word that directs us and helps us to overcome those areas of weakness that we have.
And God, we thank you. Thank you for the victory we'll have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.